0: Welcome to the latest episode of Imagining a New Economy, brought to you by People First Companies. I'm your host, Mia Voss, and our guest is Brian Moran, founder of Small Business Edge, a consulting firm that offers advice and insights for small businesses and startups. During this episode, we discuss the different ways that companies are making a difference, and Brian also offers some great tips for companies and consumers. Tune in. Hey, Brian.
1: Hello, Mia. How are you? I am five levels above fantastic
0: today. <laughs> I'm going to remember that. I'm going to write that down right now. Listen, down. I have you on the show because, first of all, we've been friends for a while. Second, I know you're going to drop some knowledge bombs, so let it roll. Here we go.
1: No pressure.
0: <laughs> or anything.
1: I don't know it. I'll make it up.
0: <laughs> exactly. And it's going to sound good, and I'm going to believe it. So, imagining a new economy, which, especially right now, everything is so chaotic. Everything always is, so it's not anything new. But you work with a ton of small businesses and large businesses, so you you have a good, lot of good stories you can tell us about how we can do things better. So it's people over profit. Although you just said something great that I'm going to remind you that you said it is that profit is not a four letter word.
1: It's kind of fun, it isn't. isn't it? <laughs> it isn't. It drives me crazy when I hear people say that they're going to do all this good in the world, and uh, oh, but I'm a nonprofit. You know, it's like I'm gonna I'm gonna cure the world of cancer, and I'm a nonprofit. And right, and right. I, and I look and I say, well, why, why? And it's because that they've just been conditioned that making money off of other people is somehow bad in this world. And you know what? Guess what? You can make that money, and you can turn around and use it for other good causes, but. I honestly believe that people look at you differently when you tell them you're a nonprofit. It's almost as if you're saying this is a hobby, mm-hmm. like this is not re- this is not a real business. It's it's a nonprofit, and so I'm going to dabble in it. Now, obviously, when you get up into the largest nonprofits in the country and in the world, it's a different story. Um, but it's okay it's okay to make money if you work your rear end off
0: agree, and it really does become this kind of catch-all, right mm-hmm. for that and I do love that people are starting to look at that more closely now and just say, okay, just because it has the moniker of nonprofit doesn't mean that it it's going to be an automatic success for one so and it's interesting when we talked about you coming on the show, you said, is this for you know profit for profit or nonprofit and that's kind of how we're launching into this piece as we talk about different ways or and, and honestly ways that you've seen the companies are doing the right thing to make that uh, a profitable company that's doing great things for their people and then for their customers too.
1: Yeah. So when you, if you need to go out and you need to get sponsors or you need to generate revenue for your business and you tell them you're a nonprofit, they're going to say to you, oh, go down the hall and talk to those people, Mm -hmm. right? Because they're the ones who, it's almost like a handout. You're looking for a handout, right? That's I'm not going to get anything from my donation to your company. So go see them in the in the um, philanthropic part of our, 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 our company's foundation is where they'll send you. Yeah. But if you say to them, no, I'm a for-profit company, and, and I expect that the people who we work with will get some sort of ROI on whatever activity we do with them. And then they so, oh, well, then you're in the right department. And usually, what you find is the budgets for the for profits are you know ninety five percent, and the ones for the nonprofit are like five percent. And you are, or you're competing against very well established nonprofits.
0: Absolutely, and I think I think what's interesting too. Yeah, again, there's so much confusion on that as well. But I do know that people are, like you said, starting to to realize that too. Tell me, here's, I'm going to point out a few things. So, of course, you're the host of the Small Business Edge podcast. So you get to talk to a lot of people that are doing some unique things as well, right? Out in the world. Yes.
1: I am very fortunate. Almost as fortunate as you in the people that I get to talk to.
0: I do. Um,
1: do. Storytelling is the best. It's awesome. So I talk to people who are business owners. Mm-hmm. I talk to people who work with small businesses, like thought leaders and industry experts, government leaders. Yeah, and yeah. then I talk to big businesses that um, cater to small businesses. We have right, a segment right. called Big Business Advice for Small Businesses. It's yes, fun. which,
0: I, you know, I love that too. So taking that, that information and dropping it down as well. So I know one thing too is with, a lot of these companies and you've, you've known, so you've worked with, you've worked with Wall Street Journal, the Pitney Bowes, like all these different things. Tell me, especially in the last three years now that, and this is why people first started as well. You know, there's a lot of stuff that's just not going to fly anymore. Right. Because we've had two years of just this incredible Mm -hmm. circumstances. Tell me about some of the things of, of companies that you've seen, how they've adjusted And especially now making it more of a people over profit thing of of some of the success Success stories on that.
1: Well, I think we're going to look back, you know, in in the grad schools, they're going to study this, you know, 10, 20 years from now. And they're going to see just how much the pandemic changed the way we live, the way we do business, the way we work. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, it was long enough that it fundamentally changed consumer behavior and work behavior Mm
0: -hmm.
1: for the foreseeable future until uh, something else happens along the way. And that happens long enough that it, it knocks us out of our comfort zone. But, you know, when we were basically homebound for 18 months, not being able to go back into the office, but yet we were able to get our work done, people said, why am I doing this hour, hour and a half commute each way, five days a week into, uh, you know, I'm, I'm right outside New York city. Mm -hmm. And, you know, during the pandemic, I'll never forget it. Uh, You know, you'd go by our train station. I live in a tiny town, Mm -hmm. empty, empty for months on end. Nobody was going in. And then you'd see one car and you'd see two cars. And even a year and a half later, you'd see like maybe 10 cars, and people said, oh, yeah, I can I can work from home. Mm-hmm. So when when we kind of fell into like the full recovery and I think employers were thinking, well, I'm renting all of this space in, in the major city. I want my people to come back. And they said no. And then we had the great resignation. And they said, well, no, you need to come back. And they said, you know what? It's amazing how people realized. That there is more to life than just your job. You know, you you don't work to live. You know, you, 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 is that it? You live live to work. You work to live. Mm -hmm. One of those things. And I always get. I
0: getting backwards too. (laughs) We know what the concept is though. Yeah.
1: But, but it's, it's. uh. There's live
0: to work is not what we want to do, but we just work so we can live. And then that's that. And they realize. harder type of thing. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. You know what? I can do this remotely. I can give you the same productivity working remotely than I can in the office. And um, smart companies said, okay, we'll let you do that. You know, as long as we can maintain our company culture and our winning attitude and our winning ways, we're willing to work with you because we, you are our priority. That's mm-hmm. what the smartest company said. Yeah, the yeah. dumbest company said, "No, you're coming into the office 5 days a week." And the people who actually did it did it long enough to find another job.
0: Ooh. That's right. They're
1: like, "Okay."
0: Yeah. It's letting them like, "Oh, you go ahead and think that." And then they're yeah, over here playing. Yeah, and, saying, and they you know.
1: said, "You know what? I'm out. I'm out." And and you know, the companies they lost all the roses and they kept all the weeds. And that's what's happening, and and I've seen it. In, in, I know a few companies in particular, large companies, that lost like hundreds of really smart people, and you won't realize the 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 loss that they have created. Mm-hmm. It'll be a year from now, two years from now, when all of a sudden, you know, you've had, you had these grand plans, and uh, some other company is achieving them because they took your talent.
0: What do you think some of the companies that are doing to attract those people then?
1: So they've lost yep. the
0: roses, left the weeds. I love that analogy, by the way. <laughs> what is? <laughs> it's a good one. What are those companies then that are that are getting these people? Because I, at first, I, I think in terms of like 2008, right? Where we had that, that really big downturn. And so everybody was coming up with these really cool days. It's a huge wave of entrepreneurs, right? I don't mm-hmm. see that as much as that people are now migrating towards the companies are not starting all these new businesses. Yes, there are some, but they're migrating towards companies that are doing the right thing and that want to retain their employees. What do you think some of those, or what are you seeing that some of these companies are doing?
1: So believe it or not, the last two years, we had a record number of new business applications. Okay. EINs, Employee Identification Number. Okay. We had four and a half million in 2020 over 5 million in 2021. Wow. Okay. Not all of them are going to start businesses, but some of them are. And what's happening now is you're getting people who are not just starting one business. They're starting three or four. So I am a, uh, I am a PowerPoint designer. I walk dogs. I, um, a hairdresser or okay. d- whatever you call it. Right. right. And, so and
0: ventures, they're all starting these, all these different these uh, gigs, these gig avenues, albums. gigs and ventures. Okay. So yes. we are at that. All right.
1: 60, uh-huh. that, that market is 60 million plus. Right. And it's great. And, and, uh, you know, and, you know they 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 can live off of that. You know, mm-hmm. and and um, and it's a great thing for a local community. You know, where you can get people who are working now. What what smart companies did was they realized, okay, I don't, I, I'm losing some people uh, in my company, but the universe of candidates, the candidate pool, has grown exponentially. I can hire people a 1,000 miles away, 3,000 miles away, 10,000 miles away, and they can get the job done for me. And what that means is that I can hire really, really smart people who live in the, I don't know, upper Wisconsin, mm-hmm. Northern California, Arizona, Columbia, the Philippines, and I'm going to be able to... Uh, you know, find the smartest people I know and retain them and give them what they need to thrive. I'll tell you a great story. A friend of mine started a company called Work Better Now, uh, Rob Levin in New York. And uh, he started it with a, his a co-founder. And what he did was it was, it's a virtual assistance company. And so uh, he, he, he aligned, you know, Central and South America with the United States, and said, Look, we're going to have virtual assistants and always. And it was a pre pandemic company. And I want to say he started out with like maybe a dozen virtual assistants. Now he's got several hundred. Wow. And I'm one of them. I'm one of them. I found a phenomenal virtual assistant in Colombia, 24 years old, with a degree in environmental engineering, who's absolutely brilliant and is a lifesaver. And I, I never thought I would get uh, any kind of virtual assistant, like like somebody in the next state. I'm like, no, I need to have them on site. It's the only way I know how to operate. He convinced me. He goes, you 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 got to get one.
0: Wow. And
1: is- he goes, it will change your life. And he's a hundred percent right. We talk almost every day. We have mm-hmm. scheduled meetings. It's as if. I've never met her in person before, but it's as if I know her, her entire family, and um, and she's phenomenal at oh, what she does.
0: I love that. And you're right. I love the idea. This sounds like a hybrid version of, like I said, what happened with the downturn before, but now everybody, it's that that is a mindset shift because we were so, so set on like you were. It has to be, it has to be like in here, in my face, right here. What I do love too about this change is that, you know, there. I've, I've said this before in other interviews, there are a lot of people that uh, have uh, disabilities or not the ability to commute, do all these different things. And they were told over and over and over again, no, we can't do business that way. You have to be here. And I, I do hope that it continues in that sense. And it sounds like companies are recognizing it. You've recognized that your friend started a company that says, no, we don't have to live in those constraints in order to get this done.
1: Exactly. I'll tell you another uh, funny story. Not a funny story, but a uh, applicable story. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so back in 2005, um I had a, a magazine called Urban Success and it was for inner city entrepreneurs. Okay. And I ran a boot camp, like a 12 week boot camp at a church, a Baptist church in an in inner city in New Jersey. And I was the, I was the 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 moderator of this whole group. And we had about 20 people all Uh, a black owned businesses. Mm So I, I'm, I'm the white guy up front telling these black businesses how to run better companies. What I loved about this was the interaction and we did it every Monday night. I brought in guest speakers. It was supposed to go from like seven to nine every Monday night. And it never went like, we never left there before nine 30, the last week we did it. We're there till like after 11 o'clock at night. And it, it, it gave me such a, a, uh, a, it was like a revelation into what they were dealing with in, in their businesses. Right. Mm-hmm. And this woman who had a uh, restaurant in, in uh, the town, the city that we're in, uh, you know, very successful. I'm like, what, it, what is your, op- the biggest obstacle in front of you? And she said, you know, Brian. Everybody in my neighborhood knows my restaurant, and they all come in and they love it, and it's great. And maybe even people from a couple of other neighborhoods, right? But I, I'm not getting you to come to my restaurant. Like, how do I get you to come to my restaurant? And this is back in 2005, and I thought about it, and 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 I said, you know, well, there's the internet and stuff like that, but you know, obviously social media wasn't a thing back then. I mean, mm-hmm. there was LinkedIn and, and the Facebook was just kind of popping up. <laughs>
0: just starting up. Yeah.
1: But I, I remember, I, I, uh, I still keep in touch with some of them. And I remember um, Google was doing some stuff and it was, you know, focused on helping inner city entrepreneurs. And I, and I wrote to some of these people and I said, here's your opportunity you know, the pandemic where nobody's leaving and nobody, and everybody's going online to get their food and they don't care, you know, where mm-hmm. they, they want. And they're really searching out things like this is such a great opportunity for you to connect to the rest of the world. Like here's one of the largest companies in the world. That's basically saying, how can we help you tell your story to the outside world? And, um, Boy, the pandemic! I said to these inner-city companies, hire people who are not in the inner city mm-hmm. to work with you, who can be your storytellers in the surrounding metropolitan areas. Um, and I, I have like examples. I have examples of people who are saying, "Oh yeah, we go here for dinner. It's phenomenal." And now we're picking it up. But when the pandemic lets up, we're going to be going there to eat in the restaurant, or we're going to be going to this store. Great, great examples. I did, and and I'll be, uh, again, quick. Uh, I did did a podcast with a woman who runs a small business development center in Harlem, and her name is Karen Naylor-Simmons. I hope I didn't screw that up because she is, I called her Harlem's small business superhero. She does such a phenomenal job of broadcasting these companies to the outside world. Oh, I love it. That, that is the key there. And that's what the pandemic changed.
0: It mm-hmm. really
1: opened up the amplification. It didn't matter what, it, you could be a rural business in Wyoming. You could be a, 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 a retailer on the South side of Chicago. Or in Harlem. Or you could be up in Maine. And it was somehow it was everybody wanted to find out more. Because you realized I don't need to rely on my local stores. I don't need to rely on Amazon or Walmart or any of that. I want to find unique original stuff. And here's where I'm going to get it.
0: The storytelling piece, and you're so right about that. You know, I, I one of my favorite taglines is being a cheerleader for the things that you love. Yes. And so, and I I do feel like the pandemic brought that out in people of the 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 smaller stories. Even corporations, I think, are telling the stories of their customers or the people that you know, so and so, you know, bought this thing and it changed their world and their kid loved it. it. You know, this widget that that we make. So, yeah, you're totally right about like this amplifying those stories because we all love that. And I do think it gave us a lot more time to appreciate that type of thing too. So I do feel like the new economy also includes the appreciation of the smaller stories for all of these businesses and then the, the connection so that you don't get too caught up in like, again, and, and of course we did that too, uh, just ordering everything through Amazon, but I do love now that we are getting connected to um, the local businesses, even if they're not local.
1: Right. And here is a tip for the local business owners. Hmm. Diversify your employee base, right? If everybody looks like you, sounds like you, thinks like you, you're going to get like a 90 degree view of your universe. When your universe is exponentially larger than it was before the pandemic. Yeah. So who's going to tell you about new markets and new products and new customers and new opportunities and new partnerships. Is it going to be the guy right next to you who looks like you sound like, like you, you. that's like right, you? right. Yeah, no, absolutely not. And so that's really the fact that you don't need to operate just a retail store in your town and have a and have just a physical presence that you could have people working with you all over the world.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Diversity is not a. It's not a. I don't. I don't see that as like, oh, I'm giving back to my community, or I'm helping those less fortunate, or some crap like that. Right, It is a competitive advantage in business. It takes your 90 degree view and it makes it a 360 degree view. Men hire women, hire minorities, hire young people hire people who can help you launch your products and services into new markets and increase your customer base and tell you all of the different reasons that people are buying from you that people you don't talk to on a given day.
0: It's literally a healthy ecosystem for business. Yes. Right. If you've got the yep. same flora and fauna sitting around, it's just, I mean, it's just, it's kind of like farmers, like just doing the same crop every year, right? It's going to wear it out. It's not going to bring in anything new at all. That is brilliant. I love that. It's so true. Yeah, exactly. You know, diversity, it's not just the right thing to do. It's actually a competitive edge.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, yep. you, you get the one group that buys free from you for this reason. But did you know that this group over here, would buy you for a different reason. So mm-hmm. one could be quality, one could be on convenience, one could be on price, one could be that you know you're you're a woman-owned business. Mm-hmm. You know, you you don't know all of the reasons that people buy from you. And I'm speaking to your listeners is because I'm going to just guess that you don't ask why they buy from you. You're just glad that they are buying from you, <laughs> right. but you don't realize that for every customer that you win, you may be losing two or three customers that didn't realize that you had such high quality products or that you had this convenient way of accessing them or that you partnered with another company. Like they don't know your full story because they haven't heard it because they're in your blind spot mm-hmm. in in your in your ecosystem. you know that's a blind spot. I don't target suburban women, or I don't target people under thirty-five, or I don't target men. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Like,
0: but we all know somebody that's the the whole thing, and I've I've said that to people for years, even in uh, coaching for when they, when you go and and network and in, in, in any way, shape, or form, don't just discount someone. Because there, that's not your interest. You know, I've even said it for myself as a as a, a single woman with no kids. Um, that doesn't mean I don't know moms. I don't know somebody who might like that product, which is again why I love women. As you know, the 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 eighty five percent of not more of the overall buying decisions is because we do think outside of our own scope of that's, what it is we're going to buy for ourselves.
1: Think of a dartboard. All right. You look at the bullseye and you say, that's my ideal target customer. Mm -hmm. Suburban mom with at least two kids. Mm -hmm. Okay. Is that the only way you can score points on a dartboard? If I hit triple 20, that's going to get me 60 points. That actually gets me more than the bullseye, right? Mm -hmm. Which is 50. I used to play darts, but I was always in no condition to be playing darts. So I can't remember if that red's a hundred or and the green is 50, or is it 50 and 25? Whatever the hell it is, I remember I hit triples triple 20. I'm getting 60 points. Absolutely. But there are there are tons of different ways to score points on a dartboard. Yeah. And, and staying so,
0: my yeah, staying myopic and only going for that one thing, you're just gonna miss out on all these other different opportunities.
1: So take time at least once a month, maybe twice a month, take an hour out of your day and say, who else might be a good target audience that we mm-hmm. that we should go after, that we're not thinking about? How about men for manicures, pedicures? Now, I know this is insane. My wife said that to me one time. You don't know what you're missing by not getting a manicure or pedicure. And I'm like, I'm good. I said, I'm not going to be the only guy in a nail salon in my town and then have every single one of my friends rip on me because they heard I saw I was I'd have to go literally to another state and pray to God I do it at like nine o'clock at night or six o'clock in the morning like just to try it out because I hear about they massage your feet and your shoulders and it's the best and I'm like I'm still never doing it but if you had like if you figured out a way to cater to men Mm And we actually saw just how great it was getting yeah. a mani petty. That's a whole new market. And or at the very what least, we're buying gift certificates.
0: Can I tell you on a small note, first of all, next time I speak to you, I want to I want to hear that you went and got a mani petty. <laughs> but I will say from experience. Uh, that, and, and it's, it, it, and you also don't know that what people are going to think when I have been in there and I see, a, and I went for one the other day and she said, Oh, Bill's coming in. That's my regular. And, and she called Bill. She has him on the speed dial. Bill, I'm ready early. This man comes in. I'm like, look at Bill taking care of business. Right. Because yeah. it's just so funny to see. So see that expectation as well of what you would think, how it's, how it's received <laughs> Thing. Yeah. I love this analogy though. It's and and really Bill changed.
1: comes in with his wife or his mm-hmm. husband, whatever. Yeah. So, like yeah. it's, it's- or
0: I look at Bill and go, you know what? I need to tell Brian that he needs to go in and get that, see that word of mouth. So so making the assumption that we know how people think um is, is such a disservice. And I think that can be one with our customers and two with our uh with our employees as well. I want to end on this note because I want you all to go check out. Brian's one your podcast, Small Business Edge, on on every place you can listen to podcasts, same as this one. But then you also have such a great newsletter, and then on your website. And I'm looking at this one. I loved this article about the great customer resignation and yeah. how that is tied in together. Of if you're you know if you're already don't have your employees happy, that's also going to create this customer resignation as well. So really thinking in terms of these ecosystems of how everything works together. I mean, you can't think of anything siloed off by itself.
1: Not at all. And you know what? Just my my, my takeaway for advice for mm-hmm. business yes, owners: yes. put down the phone, close the computer, and go talk to your customers. And 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 you know, see how they're doing, and you know, what are they up to, and how mm-hmm. could you help them? Whether you're B two B or B two C. You know, take time to really get to know them. And, and if you know them, that's phenomenal. You know, make sure you stay on their radar screen.
0: You sure, know, sure.
1: That, that cut. I used to go to Italian time restaurant in in, in the next town. These U, Ukrainian guys ran the most unbelievable. The pizza was good. I mean, the pizza was <laughs> We used to, I used to go in there and I would spend 30 minutes talking baseball with these guys. We were all diehard Mets fans. They'd have the game on. I'd always go in like a little after seven because I knew the game would be on the radio and we would sit there and I would purposely order a pie when I went in. So it would take like 15 minutes to get ready because I'd say to my wife, you know, if I go there, I'm not coming home for at least a half hour Right. because we'd always... And then they went out of business because of the pandemic and it Mm. broke my heart. uh, And when you
0: think, when you think about what you were doing too, you were not only talking to the owners, you were talking to the employees as well. So I want to add to that for the advice that you're giving is also uh, talking to your employees about what they're hearing from people as Mm. well too, because everybody has such a different perspective. And this is why I wanted you to come onto the show. So thank you so much for being a guest. It's the storytelling. It's a to- yeah. storytelling experience. The restaurant Empower. that you went to, the, the group that you uh, worked with uh, for entrepreneurs and all of that.
1: Empower your employees. Give them the right to speak on your company's behalf mm-hmm. to customers. Let, allow them the, to, to, you know, a little bit of TLC on their customers. Allow them to listen to their complaints and their stories and mm-hmm. whatever it is and and build that connection and, and make sure that you build it with your employees. So your employees become your biggest advocates. You know, wow, you really seem to love your job. Oh, I can't tell you how, much, how great it is to work here. I love my boss. I love my team. I love coming to work. I just love everything about it. Who doesn't want to be part of a winning team, Right, a winning formula, as opposed to I can't stand my boss. Mm-hmm. I hate this other person at work. I hate when we get on Zoom calls. I hate, I hate, I hate. And that person who you, you're there telling it to is like, I, think I'm, Are I, you working? I, I don't want to hear this. I don't right. want to hear this, right? I don't want to give you my business because I just don't, I'm, I, I don't want to get on the phone with you or a Zoom call with you or in right. the store with you.
0: Right. Absolutely. And I will say as an entrepreneur, the stories that I love the most, and this has been so delightful to to hear is when people are like, oh my God, I just just love my job. It just, it's been so delightful. A good friend of mine, I was in her wedding and she works for this great company down in Arizona. And now she's, because she likes her job so much, she's just really encouraging her new husband now. Like I want him to have the same experience and look for a job where he can have that as well, which again leads to the great resignation of don't put up with that anymore. Looking for that. It's it's literally just living example of what works and what doesn't work. If you, if
1: you, if you don't treat your employees well, and your employees are still good to your customers and your customers know how bad you treat your employees, Mm. they're going to tell your employees. I know another company that would hire you, pay you more money, and love you to death.
0: Because they you. want them to be happy. They're not loyal to that company. They're gonna be loyal to that person. Right. Oh my gosh, right. that's such good, that's such a good point. There go uh, you roses. I know it. Yeah, keep those roses, retain the roses. Yeah. Brian, thank you for joining us today. I appreciate you so much. You dropped some really good knowledge bombs like I thought you would.
1: I'm, I'm happy to be here anytime. And you know what? If anybody has any questions, they know where to reach us.
0: Smallbusinessedge.com.
1: Right. Find or it. anywhere on social media. Absolutely. You can...
0: Thank you, Brian. Take care, everybody. All
1: right, Mia. Have a great day. Thanks for everyone who listened.
0: Amen. Thank you. You can find out more information and reach out to Brian at smallbusinessedge.com. And make sure to subscribe to his podcast of the same name, Small Business Edge. If you'd like to be a part of the People First Companies movement, you can find out more at peoplefirstcompanies.net or send us an email at info at peoplefirstcompanies.net. If you like what you're hearing on this podcast, please subscribe and leave us a review. We'll see you on the next episode.